to the seventh report. This is your host, Harrison Hunter. The seventh report is brought to you by The Brookery. The Brookery offers seven unique flavors of soft, rich croissants that make a very unique treat. Place your order at www.tnbrookery.wixsite.com site for more information. Check The Brookery out on Facebook and Instagram for additional chances to win free croissants. Again, that website is www.tnbrookery.wixsite.com slash site. Get a tasteful gift. Visit The Brookery today. Today's show is filled. we got Connor Rogers. He is the co-host of Stick to Football with Matt Miller for Bleacher Report and a writer for Fan Rag Sports. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers. Connor, I really appreciate you hanging out with me tonight. What's going on, man? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me, dude. Oh, no problem at all. I'm so excited. I know your expertise is the draft and everything football, so you don't really have a uh, life between January and May. <laughs> That's, a That's good... exactly right. I was telling you earlier, it's it's bad when you're drinking coffee at night, but uh, and I'm an early riser, too. That's the crazy thing through all this, but listen, I, I do it for a reason because I love it, and uh, you know it's going to be a fun couple months here. I'm so excited to follow your work. If you don't follow him already, like I introduced him already, Connor Rogers, at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter. Let's get started, man. You ready? I'm good to go, man. Coffee at 7.30. I cannot believe yep. it. That's hilarious. <laughs> so how did you get started with Bleacher Report, and what do you hope to accomplish uh, by the end of your tenure? So it's kind of a funny story. I, um, I went to school in New York. I'm from New York, and uh, I went to Albany, and I studied business, and gradu- obviously I graduated and everything, all that. <laughs> and uh, I ended up getting out of school. When I was getting close to getting out of school, I had to make a decision. You know, I, obviously, sales jobs come your way, and I, I wanted to work in marketing. I always wanted to do something creative. And I obviously loved football, but I knew that at the end of the day, those jobs are few and far between. And um, I, I got really lucky. I was actually playing in a charity flag football tournament and down in New York City. I traveled down for it, and one of the guys running it had a connection at Bleacher Report, and he said to me, hey, Connor, you know, they're looking for an assistant research position, obviously the basement floor of entry-level jobs. And, you know, we think you'd be perfect for the NFL side of things. You would run through midsummer through the NFL season. So I had to make a decision. It's as simple as that. I had to figure out, one, where the hell I was living because I was coming from Albany and this job was down in New York City. And two, passing up on a little bit different money aspect. And that is important when you're trying to move. Mm-hmm. So I think it was it was interesting for me. I ended up taking it because I wanted to do something I loved. And I think the best advice I ever got was from my mom, actually. She was like, the, the worst case that goes wrong is that you fail and you, you go back to doing what you're going to do. But it would be worse if you didn't try it. And I did. I used to commute uh, five hours total at least per day down to New York City. I'd be up around 4 o'clock in the morning and I'd work out a little bit and take the train down and get back home around anywhere from 8 to 9 o'clock at night, eat dinner and go to sleep and do it all again until I made enough money to move down to Hoboken right by the city. So it's been a wild and wacky ride, and that was just the beginning of it, not to go too long here on you, but um, that was just the way in. And from there I learned how to do so many different things, whether it was producing video, directing video, obviously watching film with people like Chris Sims, Matt Miller, and all the great people at Bleacher Report. 
I was always writing on the side as freelance work and doing podcasts and doing different media, learning how to be not only you know an analyst but a reporter and, and working with different athletes and different people on different shows. And it, it's been a wild ride, and this is just the beginning of it, I hope. But it, it's it took a while to get here, but I, it's been 100% worth it. That's an unbelievable story, and I am so thankful I asked that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I don't tell it too often. I once in a while I get it on the podcast. People always want to know from Matt, you know, hey, how do I do what you do? And and Matt has said it so many times that he actually made a Microsoft do- Word doc on it that he could just send to people and say, hey, this is what I always say because he's just so tired of saying it. <laughs> and once in a while, I'll I'll tell that sometimes the very abbreviated version, sometimes the very long version. I think what I just gave you was a was a nice uh, happy medium. Well, I appreciate it. I promise, Connor. Thank you so much. Of course. So let's recap some of the national championship game. Uh, to get started, arguably the best coaching decision that I've ever witnessed in my life was Saban's decision to bench quarterback Jalen Hurts and start a freshman quarterback, Tua Tongo Viloa. Tongo Viloa? Is that right? Hey, I think you did a better job than I would, and I've heard Tua's name <laughs> for a lot longer than most people in the media because we did some really cool recruiting stuff with him uh, at Bleacher Report. You know, one of our guys, Stephen Nelson, mm-hmm. did some really cool videos with him, and it, it was crazy, right? Not only is that name crazy, but how crazy was that game in general with Saban going to him? Oh, not at all. So he starts the second half. He brings Tua in. You completely open the passing game for Alabama. Kirby Smart and Georgia clearly made Alabama one-dimensional all night, so Saban makes the single greatest coaching decision to start a freshman quarterback in the biggest stage in college football. What are your thoughts on his decision? They had to do this, and this is so unlike Nick Saban when you look at it because it's crazy. Jalen Hurts was, I believe, 22-2. and I think 25-2. and 25-2, yeah, that's definitely, yeah, counting all the bowl games and everything, Mm -hmm. and God, it's it's really insane, but the bottom line is that was the moment there. At halftime, Georgia scored right before the half, and Alabama could not throw the football. I right. think Jalen had 21 or 22 passing yards <laughs> in the first half. Yeah. And listen, you know anything about Jalen Hurts. He, he's the team-first, ultimate team guy. He, he wasn't upset. He understood the situation. And Tua coming out of Hawaii has been just praised for his arm. He's got a great arm. A lot of people stopped by and said to me this week, hey, I never saw Tua play before. He really reminds me of Russell Wilson. And I said, you know, usually I call people crazy when they make big-time comparisons. There are similarities there. Huge arm, guys that can move that well and make plays on the move. It goes to show you the stage wasn't too big for him. I Mm -hmm. think that's the most impressive thing of Mm -hmm. all. And this is not a Nick Saban move. Nick Saban does not go into, you know, a freshman in that situation, let alone he doesn't even let them talk to the media. And they had Najee Harris on the field, true (laughs) freshman running back, with Tua back there too. And it was just super impressive that those guys went out and got it done at that age. Tua Tongo Viola. I'm just trying to say it it right. Yep. He reminds me with the big arm as a, a bigger size wise. He's the same height, Michael Vick. He's got a much more accurate arm, but that big arm's in there. Good grief! Yeah, the snap of the release, the way the football just flicks off his wrist. It's just very impressive to watch for somebody that age. Sony Michelle is the better NFL prospect than Nick Chubb, in my opinion. Alabama's defense is the most pro-like defense in all of college football. Yet Sony touched the football only six times in the second half. Chubb touched it 10 times. Sony had the most success against Alabama's defense. Why did they get away from it? 
Well, yeah, it's the question that I've been asking all week, and I would love to know. It's a shame that teams get away from what got them there in the first place. Yes. You look at this you look at this Georgia team, you go, what is their identity? They play good defense, and they run the football. Fromm, is, for a freshman quarterback, has been incredible. But at the end of the day, they have a three-headed monster backfield with the freshman in Swift and then the two seniors in Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Right. Everything in the world is matchup-based, and football is the perfect example of that. Alabama has a powerful defense, and they got some speed on that defense. Nick Chubb does not have the speed to get outside and make something happen. Mm-hmm. Why Sony Michelle did. This was a matchup meant for Sony Michelle, not Nick Chubb. Georgia got too stubborn, didn't make the adjustment, didn't go to the guy that was having the bigger game and having the bigger college football playoff and was a bigger play threat this season, averaging over seven yards per carry. And they should have known this. Sony Michelle was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Sony Michelle ran track. Mm-hmm. He's been a very impressive player there for a long time. He finally got his chance to kind of shine this year. And when the mo- moment mattered the most, the Georgia staff simply got away from him, and it cost them the game. Totally agree. I'm an Atlanta guy, right? Grew up in Atlanta, a Falcon fan, so the Super Bowl comes to mind. What happened la- uh, two nights ago, you know, that really stings. I totally get it, man. I-, I don't understand why they got away from the game plan. Sony Michelle was doing so well. And if you look even at the comparison in yards, he still averaged seven yards a carry. It's absolutely insane. You look at his numbers, and you just it doesn't make any sense. It's as simple as that. But unfortunately, this is what alters every outcome in sports. And this was, to me... Besides how well Tua played, this to me was the storyline of the game, or at least of how to give the game away. How about that? I hit on your two biggest storylines and my only two questions. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> so let's transition to the NFL draft. I know you're huge on this, watch a lot of film, respect you a ton. You're one of my favorite followers when it comes to this. I don't even care about the Jets, but I love when you give Jets decisions. Uh, so your current top 10 mock draft is... Oh, man. For uh, current NFL right now, straight through. Let's go. Cleveland Browns, you're on the clock. I'll tell you who I think they take. I think they take Sam Darnold from USC. Okay, and Uh, who should they take? uh, I would probably lean more towards Josh Rosen in terms of talent, but you know how the NFL puts everything in a microscope and they worry about character, and I get it. I totally get it. They want to take the safe play here. I think it's going to be Darnold. Okay, New York Giants at number two. Rosen, he falls right into your lap. You need a quarterback of the future for life after Eli Manning. It's as simple as that. You get a guy that actually plays very similar to the way Eli mm-hmm. Manning did coming out of school. And it's going to be a perfect fit for them. I mean, he's going to come in, maybe sit a year or two, and, and wham, it's, it's his. It's, it's exactly. Be- you give him some time right. to get acclimated to the NFL offense, and he'll own that New York market and be just fine. Number three, the Indianapolis Colts, who I think have a pretty good roster uh, top to bottom. It's just a tough year. It's getting better, but they really need a pass rusher, and they're going to get the best one in Bradley Chubb at that pick. I think Chris Ballard and you know his crew of Ed Dodds and uh, Rex Hogan in that front office, they know what they're doing, and they're going to go get the best pass rusher available if they can't trade out of that spot. It's, it's Bradley Chubb. It's as simple as that. Darnold goes number one. Cleveland has the number four pick via Houston from last season. Who do they take at number four? Yeah, this is super interesting. I, I think it's kind of a toss-up between Minka Fitzpatrick and Saquon Barkley, but we'll have some fun here and go with Saquon Barkley. He's the best player in this draft. The Browns need something to get excited about. Go get the young quarterback some help and put a, a stud next to him in that backfield That's with Saquon. Denver Broncos with two quarterbacks already taken. Do they go after someone in free agency? Who do they go after in number five? 
Yeah, this is fascinating because are the Broncos or the Jets going to get Kirk Cousins? Right. That completely changes their draft strategy. So uh, I'll play out the scenarios here, five and six, back-to-back for mm-hmm. you between the Broncos and the Jets. One of them gets Kirk Cousins. The other takes Baker Mayfield. It's, it's, to me, it's as simple as that. Wow, how about that? It's just they have to get the quarterback position solved, both franchises, and I think they invest the price to get that done with those two guys. So arguably, if Baker goes to the New York Jets at six, you have him starting right away? I think so. I think he's pro-ready. I think I wouldn't worry about that at all. And you could always bring back Josh McCown and have him start if you need to. And I think that'd be a good scenario for both guys. My goodness. Those those Jets are turning it around up there, huh? Yeah, it's slow but steady. They're turning it around. Tampa Bay has the seventh overall pick. Who do they go after Baker? They can't pass on Minka Fitzpatrick here in my eyes. I think he's such a good fit for them. He could do so many different things in the secondary. I think a lot of people like him as a corner. I like him as a safety. Mm-hmm. But you don't. those are interchangeable spots at times. You could do some different things there. The Bucks need help on defense. Go get one of the best defensive football players in this draft class. Please don't have him be in the NFC South. I, I don't want him, him guarding <laughs> yeah, Julio. Come on, torturing man. torturing you guys. Yeah. Chicago Bears have the eighth overall pick. New head coach. What goes on in Chicago? Yeah, this is really interesting because you got to wonder that this is a team, another team that would have loved to have Minka Fitzpatrick. So you're sitting right. here and you're like, well, they need a wide receiver. Can you take Calvin Ridley there that early? Hmm. I don't think they will, but this is a trade-up candidate, a trade-out candidate to me because – Somebody might come up and take someone they like, whether it's Roquan Smith or one of the running backs. The Bears are set at running back, so they're not taking Darius guys here. They got their right. quarterback last year. You know what, though? I'll tell you what. If they get stuck in this spot, I think they can use some cornerback help, especially where we don't know what's going to happen with Kyle Fuller and free agency. Mm-hmm. I'll say Denzel Ward here from Ohio State. He's the best cornerback in this class. Really, over Minka. And even if they did, if they did draft Minka, it would be Eddie Jackson and him in that defensive backfield again. Yeah, I think Mink is the ideal pick. I just don't think he gets to them. And they probably won't pick, uh, even if they did go Calvin Ridley, which is yet another Alabama player. Kind of hesitant. It's amazing to... how many of them are going to be in this class together, like always. Yeah, kind of. They'd probably be a little hesitant with Kevin White and, and what happened with that recently, huh? Yeah, and I think they got to solve their receiver problem in free agency. I think that's really where they go. I think they'll get a sure thing rather than rely on a rookie for Trubisky. I hear you. San Francisco 49ers. Uh, ninth overall. Yeah, this one is really interesting because uh, I think the ideal here would be to, if, you know, they won so many games at the end of the year. So we were saying, hey, Saquon Barkley, <laughs> you know, with Jimmy G right. would have been nice. That can't happen now. Bradley Chubb, they go get their pass rusher. That's not going to happen now. Minka Fitzpatrick for the secondary. So they got pushed back a little <laughs> bit here. They got some different options. I think Darius Geis would be a really nice pick here if Carlos Hyde doesn't get the extension that they're counting on. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. I, I like Darius Geis in this offense, and I think if you can't move out of this spot, I'd have no problem taking him there. For those listening who didn't get to watch LSU a lot, uh, what would you, your player comp be for uh, Geis? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. I actually have a combo for him. I think he's a little bit of Mark Ingram and a little bit of Marshawn Lynch kind of molded together. I, I think Good those grief. guys were each special in their own ways, but I think – he, he's rock solid like Mark Ingram, but some of his power runs are very similar to the way Lynch can really put a, you know, can really punish defenders at the second level. And 10th, Oakland Raiders. This is where Roquan Smith has to go. The Raiders need help in the middle of that defense. He's probably a top six player in this class. You get him at 10, 
it's a home run for Oakland. And I think John Gruden will love a guy that can come in and just really be the leader on that defense with Khalil Mack. You added some pieces in the first round in the secondary the last two years. Take Roquan Smith, and you got some real talent in the center there. What a steal at 10 overall for them. That huh? would be a home. I mean, if you get Roquan Smith at 10, there's a chance he ends up being the best player in this class, legitimately. Okay, so. just for me, now we're outside the top 10. My Atlanta Falcons, right? We're going to go with the 32nd overall pick because, you know, <laughs> who do they take? I like that. I actually, not too long ago, gave them Cortland Sutton. I said, you put a receiver hmm. across from Julio Jones, and you go get a guy that's a matchup nightmare. If Julio Jones is going to draw these double teams, you put Cortland Sutton across from him, you give him the one-on-ones, Matt Ryan throws the ball up, he'll go get it. I think... That offense would be a lot of fun with those two together. Good grief. I couldn't argue with that. Any offensive linemen that would be worth taking? Uh, I know they've had a little trouble this season keeping their guards healthy. Wes Schweitzer just hasn't cut it at right guard. Any uh, guard play that you see that's worth a a back-end first-round pick? Yeah, that's kind of interesting because Quentin Nelson's going to go before they pick, and he's the best one in this class. But you look at another guy. This guy's flown under the radar because he played for UTEP, who I think didn't even win a game this year. (laughs) But Will Hernandez has been a four-year starter at UTEP, was a blocker for Aaron Jones, who's now on the Packers this year. And Hernandez is just rock solid. He's a great run blocker. I think he's still a very impressive pass protector and the most important thing is four-year starter pro ready can slide right in it would give the falcons some stability in the middle and i think that'd be really needed i mean i'm writing this down so if it happens i'm going to give you some serious credit (laughs) hopefully i got it okay so let's switch over now uh to phase three the nfl divisional rounds coming up in just a few days the atlanta falcons my atlanta falcons take on the philadelphia eagles the Falcons are the first six seed ever to be favored. They play at 435 Eastern on Saturday. What are your predictions and keys to watch for this game? Yeah, it's wild to see home dogs, right? You, you just don't see it very often, but that's the Nick Foles effect. I mean, I feel bad right. for Nick Foles because he's gotten thrown into a tough spot. But listen, I, I can't pick against the Falcons in this game. I think their defense is going to do enough to really shut down Philadelphia. I think this is going to be an ugly football game. I think this is going to be like a 17-6 to kind of win for the Falcons, 17-12 to kind of win. It, there's just going to be a lot of defensive, probably a lot of turnovers in this one, especially from Philadelphia. The Eagles got the defense to make things happen. That's right. where they can keep it close. But the bottom line is if the Falcons go out there and play their game, you run the ball, you hit a big play to Julio Jones, you don't have to get overly creative to beat a Nick Foles-led football team. Go back to week what was it, 17, when the Eagles played Oakland, he just simply could not get the ball moving downfield, no matter how much you get J.H.I.E. involved, which needs to be more. But I think that Falcons front can do enough to shut down this rushing attack. And if you take away the run and make Nick Foles throw, that Atlanta secondary should just be feasting at the chance to get a pick six. Boy, I loved everything you said. And I'm glad you brought up the Oakland game. Because everyone wants to cite the Jags-Bills game as one of the worst games they've ever watched. I want to say that whoever said that didn't watch the Oakland and Eagles Monday night football game because that might be the worst game I've ever watched. Yeah, I think people uh, had a little bit too much Christmas dinner that day and fell asleep before the game. Wolf, I'm telling you, that was such a hard game to watch. And I think that the Falcons, I think you're right about that. They they take the run away and they make make him throw the football. And that's got to be a huge advantage for them. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it, it simplifies your game plan. You can go out and do your job, and it, you don't have to get too creative, and you still come away with a road win. 
One thing I will say, uh, downhill running with LeGarrette Blunt seems to be probably one going to be one of the most effective things they do with just the size of Atlanta and wanting to be speed and athletic. You'd hope so, but you got to get him some space, and they got to prove that they can do that. When you know what's coming, it's a little easier. Sure. Let's shift over to the Titans. They play the New England Patriots at 8.15 Eastern, right after uh, the Falcons-Eagles game. Patriots are favored by 13.5 points. What happens in this one, Connor? I think they cover. I, I know it's, <laughs> it's tough to say. It is tough to say. But this Tennessee football team, to me, is not well coached. They're going to be relying on the heels of Derrick Henry. I think Marcus Mariota has been up and down this year. I think the secondary outside of Bayard for Tennessee, even though they invested a lot into it, first-round pick in a Dory Jackson, big-time contract for Logan Ryan, I don't think it's been very good outside of Bayard. I think New England is going to really handedly win this one, which is a shame because you'd like to see more competition in this playoffs. But uh, these seem like two very simple picks to me. I hear you, and I'm in Nashville, so a lot of my listeners are not going to like that, but at least you speak the truth. I I totally agree. You know what's funny is I really like Marcus Mariota. I'm a big Marcus Mariota fan. I wanted Tennessee to lose last week just so they would fire Malarkey and get Mariota the right coach in there, whether that would be Josh McDaniels or the Bears just hired Matt Nagy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, listen, I think the Titans should have, I know it's hard when you're winning playoff games, but I don't think that I want to see them do well. I really do, and I don't think this is the staff to do it. Malarkey winning does not necessarily mean he needs to have a job this next season. I I totally no. agree with you. I, I think Josh McDaniels would just be an absurd upgrade. Yeah, he can come in there and be the quarterback whisperer and really get the right talent for that offense, but more importantly, the right coaches. I texted my Patriots buddy today. I said, now with DeMarco Murray being out, I don't know if you've watched Derrick Henry at all, he can't pass protect. So look for the Patriots to blitz early and often on, on passing situations and look at them just to crowd the line of scrimmage when they know it's going to be a run. Yeah, and listen, once again, this is one of those games where the favorite team knows what they have to do. It's very simplified for you. There's not going to be a surprise threat. And I think for a team like New England, that makes things way too easy for them. On Sunday, the Jacksonville Jaguars play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers are favored by a touchdown and 50 cents. What's your prediction there? Yeah, I mean, this is another one where do I have any faith in Blake Bortles? The answer is no. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is such a simple one for you. I think the Steelers win 17 to, to – I mean, it's almost the same game I feel like I'm picking as before with Atlanta and Philly. I mean, the Steelers might win this one 24-3. It might be – really really ugly you hope Jalen Ramsey can contain Antonio Brown I haven't seen a single soul on this planet contain Antonio Brown finally the New Orleans Saints go to Minnesota which I think might be the best game of this weekend to take on the Vikings Vikings are favored by four that shocks me a little bit maybe it's home field who wins to advance to the NFC title game yeah, you figure they're getting three points for being at home, sure. so they're really a one-point favorite on the neutral site. I, I think, listen, I like the Saints in this one, and I think it's kind of my out-of-left-field pick here. <laughs> I think Drew Brees hasn't been Drew Brees, but I think this is the domino game for Case Keenum. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think this is when it all falls. I, I think it's going to be close. I think the Saints win by one, two, maybe three points, but at the end of the day, I like them in this one. I like the way they're built. I love Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, and I just think – they're going to go up there, and they're going to find a way to get it done, especially with a couple of guys, Sean Payton, Drew Brees. They've been there before. We have the exact same four picks. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, it's shocking to know Drew Brees set the record for completion percentage, and people don't even realize that. Yeah, it's it's one of those under-the-radar things right now. It's what makes it so interesting is that 
you look at how the Saints, well, the Saints are doing things a little differently this year where they're sure. really checking it down to the running backs, keeping sure. it short, and it's smart. It's I mean, they should be doing that, especially if they have a defense they can rely on for once. It'll be interesting. I also take the Saints in that game, even though I hate the I hate I just hate the Saints. I can't pick them, Connor. It's like it would be like you picking you. You probably hate the Patriots more than anybody. I, I would figure. I, you listen. I got to this point where I don't even know if I feel anything anymore. I'm just football <laughs> it's robot so mode. <laughs> numb. It's so numb. Yeah, that's exactly it. Let's go three random funny questions to close out the show. A lot of people love it. You ready? I'm good to go, man. Which video game was better, Super Smash Bros. or Mario Kart? Of course, Nintendo. Oh, wow, that's really good. Um, can I throw in the uh, the worst wrinkle ever here and give you what I think was better than both of them? Oh, am I going to have to hang up? You might. I, I was <laughs> a, I was truly a Donkey Kong guy, oh, true and through. Nothing now, in that. terms of, I will say, I'll give you an answer to your question, though. <laughs> I like Mario Kart better just because I was better at it. I was so bad at Smash Bros. because... It was one of those games where everybody that played was so tremendously good, especially in college. Like, it was just, if you weren't good enough, there was no reason to play because you would just get your ass kicked so much. So, <laughs> I, I'm a Mario Kart guy. Dude, I love Smash. I, I love both. And Donkey Kong is so underrated. I used to love the yellow, right? The yellow one? Yes. I was going to, yeah, I was going to say when trying to think growing up. Because that's one that, like, it didn't age as well. Like, everybody brought <laughs> Smash Bros. and Mario Kart to college. Right. And, like, Donkey Kong just kind of faded, understandably, but <laughs> it's just so you don't see it anymore. I'm telling you, in your dorm room, if you've got Donkey Kong on, I'm probably joining you. That's right. Hell yeah. <laughs> if a car represented your personality, what would it be? Oh, man. That's a good one. I, I mean, there's kind of two sides to this. I, I would say... Like a Ford F two fifty, not the one fifty, like the industrial truck. Okay. Uh, like I think that would be the one way to really sum it up. There is, it's still a truck, and like you know, everyone thinks like blue collar, but it's got a little more attitude to it, where like you're showing it off. I hear you, a little bigger guy, right? Like, like likes to hit the gym a little bit. Yes, yeah, so right. There you go. So the two fifty, not the F one fifty. I hear you. The purge becomes a reality. You choose to stay inside and watch a movie because you don't want to participate. Buying the movie is not an issue whatsoever. What's your go-to movie? Ooh, uh, Shawshank Redemption. That would be that would be it for me. I, it's long, uh, it's intense, and it would keep my mind off the mayhem going on outside. I hope for at least a little bit. Connor, man, what a fun show! I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no doubt, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Would love to have you on closer to the draft and get uh, more insight to what we got going on. Yeah, you let me know. You let me know in advance. You just send me an email and we'll make it happen again. It's fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The 7th Report.